1: Hey, John Maxwell here. I really want you to be sure to tune in to the Build Your Network podcast by my good friend, Travis Chapel. It'll be worth your time, I promise.
2: If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell.
0: Hey there, welcome back to another epic interview on the Build Your Network podcast. And I'm excited really when anyone takes the time to come on my show, but this one I'm really excited to share with you all. This guy is really the only personal development guy that I knew of before I was ever even in this industry. I saw his books everywhere growing up and his influence spans across the entire globe. He is none other than John Maxwell. John is a number one New York Times bestselling author, author, coach, and speaker, and has sold over 30 million books. He's been called the number one leader in business by the AMA and the world's most influential leadership expert by Inc. Magazine. His organizations, the John Maxwell Company, the John Maxwell Team, Equip, and the John Maxwell Leadership Foundation have trained millions of leaders from every single nation in the world. And just a few of the things that we talk about are his book, Leadership, What You Can Expect. We talk about how to gain real influence with people. And we talk about some of the questions that he asked when he first spent time with John Wooden. So there's so much awesome content in this episode, and I cannot wait to share it with you. But before we get into that conversation, really quickly, if you are a podcast host or a content host, or you like to be a guest on podcasts or on other pieces of content, uh, then you're going to want to head over to guestio.com. That's guestio.com. It's a uh, software that my team and I put together recently that helps connect high-level podcast hosts and content hosts with high-level guests for their shows. Uh, So if you are one of those two types of users, then be sure to head over to guestio.com, set up your free profile and start browsing through some of the amazing guests and shows that we have built up over there. That's guestio.com. And now here is my chat with the man, the myth, the legend, John Maxwell. John Maxwell, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today.
1: Hey, great to be with you, Travis. I'm excited about sharing with you and your listeners.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, as always, I want to be respectful of your time, which I'm very appreciative of, by the way. I've had the opportunity to interview dozens of people that I look up to on the show, but you're the only one that I actually knew of before I started into like the personal development industry. So your books were known by everyone, it seems. They were scattered throughout my whole house. So it is an honor to have you on the show now. I want to start at the beginning to build some context here. Tell us about your home life growing up. What was it like to be 13-year-old John Maxwell?
1: Well, I had a wonderful family. My mother unconditionally loved us, and my father was a terrific leader. He was the driver. In fact, my dad is 97 and still alive. And up until about a year and a half ago, he still worked full-time. He's an amazing man. And uh, I'm the middle child, and I literally uh, grew up in a leadership home. And so I'm known for leadership, but I just, that's all I've ever known. I I watched it daily. I watched uh, leadership by example. I watched leadership uh, by the principles that he lived and taught and and passed on to me. So I was just very blessed. You know, I I won the parent lottery, that's for sure, and played ball, loved school, and and went to college as a theolog. And and really, uh, my first 25 years, I was a pastor and had, uh, by the time I was, 29, I had the 10th largest church in America because, again, I understood leadership and understood how to lead and how to effectively influence people. And so uh, the success of the congregation was basically because of the leadership principles I was living. In. And, and I began to get very interested in helping others learn how to lead well. And so I started writing to just help people lift their leadership lid and gosh, here I am today. It's shocking, Travis. It, it really is shocking. I'm not sure I could even do a goal-setting seminar with integrity. Let me just say this. When I was 25, 26, and I began to think maybe I'd write, I sat down and I spent a year asking myself, what is needed for a person to be successful in life? And I came to the conclusion that if I could teach people how to relate well to others, if I could teach people how to have an attitude that helped them overcome adversity and difficulties, if I could teach a person how to lead and influence people, if I could teach a person how to train and equip others. And if I could do those four things, then that person, regardless of their occupation, career, could probably be very successful. And Travis, literally, I said, that's what I'm going to write about. And all these, you know, 85 books later, 31 million copies later, whatever, that's what I'm still doing. I'm just helping people relate, equip have an attitude of tenacity and get up again and be able to extend their influence. That's what I do.
0: Yeah. So, so you have your bachelor's at Christian university, then you went back and got your MDiv, right? For those listening to master's in divinity and then you went and earned your doctorate after all from Christian universities and seminaries, specifically for ministerial work. How did your formal training in that world impact your ability to speak and write and lead effectively?
1: Well, what happened is, as I shared with you, by the time I was 29, I had the 10th largest church, and so pastors were coming to me and ask me what was happening, how did I do this? And I came to the conclusion in the beginning, I wasn't sure. I mean, I was just telling them to work hard and love people. I mean, it wasn't that complicated. And, and uh, as I backed away and started to really ask myself, what was the key? I realized that the key was leadership, and that I really knew how to lead well. And at that time, began to buy into a principle that has been the fuel for everything I do in leadership, and that is everything rises and falls on leadership. The moment I bought into that, Travis, then I said, the greatest thing I can do to help people is to teach them how to lead. If I could help them lead, I'm going to be their friend. So I made that commitment. I started first with pastors. And then what happened is uh, my publisher, uh, the books were really doing well. Publisher came to me and basically said, we've done research and we've discovered that two-thirds of your books, they're not be- being bought by pastors of the Christian community. So there will be a bottom secular bookstores, by business people, your principles are resonating with the business world. And literally, of course, I'm a person of faith. So literally at that moment, I felt called to make a leadership, okay, a leadership and, and go over to that world because I thought I have a very rare opportunity to influence people that most people will never get. And so for the last 20 plus years, that's what I've been doing
0: as you know logic's not what gets people to get a copy of the book emotion is right so tug on our heartstrings john why should every single person listening to this right now go get a copy of your new book
1: well maybe every person should not but every person that wants to be to be successful should okay so let me qualify that if you got listeners that really don't care they don't want to buy the book it would be a waste of time for them but But if you really want to increase your influence with people, and if you really want to help people, then this book is essential. And here's why. Leadership doesn't stay the same. So a person that has a leadership position, if they rely on that position, they're not going to lead very long and lead it very effectively because life changes very quickly. And especially with social media, the culture that we live in today, you have to be very flexible. You have to be very agile. And the greatest success for tomorrow is having success today because you want to hold it. You don't want to change. And this book is all about how to make changes, how to make shifts as a leader that will allow you to not only uh, strengthen your leadership, but to sustain your leadership. It, it keeps you in the game. I was being interviewed, Travis, and somebody asked me, I said, John, you've been in the leadership game a long time. And why is that? I said, well, it's because I realized that this is not the same game. It's kind of like baseball. Baseball, it has the same rules, but it's not the same game. You know, the second day, expect the guys that got the hit last game to get the same hits this time. It's it's called baseball, but it's a different game, and you've got to you've got to be able to be flexible because this game. Babe Ruth said it yesterday's home runs when today's games. I mean, it just won't do it. So, I thought I got to help people be quick and be agile and move. You know, because leaders see more than others see, and they see before others see so they see a bigger picture but they see the picture faster and because of that they have a great advantage of helping people but if they're going to take that advantage they've got to move I was doing a I was getting ready to speak for a company so I was doing a pre-call before I went to speak for them to kind of you know get their mind and be able to serve them well and they told me their theme was fast forward and they asked but what do you think of that theme well I said well the word fast to me is fast is faster and uh, fast you know tomorrow is not slower it's faster you know anybody that says well I'm I'm going to wait till everything settles down before I make a decision. They're just not going to make that decision. And now it's faster, but forward is shorter. When I started off as a leader, you know, my gosh, you could have a 10-year long range plan and a five-year short or a medium range plan and a two-year short range plan. Well, today, a two-year plan is is crazy long. It's shorter. Four, four. So it, that since fast is faster and forward is shorter, that means the best leaders are going to be the ones that are quick. And uh, I was having dinner one night with Gail, De- Gail Devers, who was a, that great track athlete for the United States in Olympic history. In fact, I think Gail won more medals as a, a female track athlete than any other person. And in fact, when I was ha- I was having dinner with her, she had read some of my books and she wanted to have a conversation with me. So her and her husband were, has dinner with her in Atlanta. And uh, we were, so we had a great conversation. In fact, she was getting ready to try out for her fourth Olympic. She was running races and tryouts against girls that were young enough to be her daughter. So we're coming to the end of the conversation. I- thought I'd have some fun. I said, Gail, I said, i thought about it throughout the whole meal. I think if you and I ran a hundred yard dash, I think I could win. And you me, oh, Travis, she got this look on her face and her husband said, did you hear that? You know, and so she's looking back at me and, you know, here's this Pillsbury Doughboy on the other side of the table saying he can beat this well-honed athlete in a 100-yard race. I mean, I got her to the place where she's ready to kick off her heels, take me outside, and we're going to run a block. She was going to show me. And so I said, before we go out and race, I said, let me just say this. I, I really do know. not think I do know I could I could win a 100-yard race with you. If I had an 80 yard head start, and she started laughing. By the way, Travis, I, I really wanted to say 70 yards, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure I could pull that off with 70. But 80, I said, even this fat boy can get across that line before she gets there. And Of course, then she started laughing, and she said, "Well, of course, you know, of course you can win the race if you have an 80 yard head start." And, and here's the whole principle: it's very simple. It's not how fast you are; it's how how quickly you start. And this book is all about understanding that in our culture. You have to be very agile. You've got to be able to make some changes. You've got to make shifts in your leadership and you've got to be on the front end. If you're not on the front end, you're not leading, you're the follower. So I look back at shift that I had to make changes. I had to make in my leadership to strengthen and sustain it. And I wrote about it. And, uh, I think the reader is going to find it incredibly fascinating and highly applicable. I think they're going to look and say, wow, that makes sense to me. I've got to make that shift too. But I know I talk to them about making it, but I, I really work hard on helping them make it so that they can do it well.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Yeah, you talk about the relational shift, production shift, communication shift, influence shift. There's a lot of different things that he goes into in this book. If you're listening to this, I highly, highly recommend going and picking up a copy of that. John, I want to take this conversation. So Run a little bit out of time here. I want to take the conversation. Talk a little bit about relationships. I heard you say this on another show you were on. Maybe it was in a book that you wrote. I forget exactly the source, but you said relationships are the foundation of leadership. This being the Build Your Network podcast, where we talk a lot about relationships. It was a really, really intriguing statement to me. So how can we make sure that we are building our relationships the right way?
1: Well, it's a great question, Travis. And uh, the reason I believe that relationships are the foundation of leadership let's start there is because leadership is influence. And how do you influence people? You influence people by adding value to people relationally. And uh, if I add value to you on a periodic basis, I'm going to have great influence with you. There's no question about it. And so it's huge when we really grasp this, that the relationships and leadership are, are basically synonymous. In fact, people won't go along with you unless they can get along with you. So when I teach leadership, I teach a lot about relationships. So since this is right in the kind of the main lane for your listeners, let me just teach it as simply as I possibly can that, wow, everything I can basically say about relationships. I, I wrote a book, 25 Ways to Win with People. And I was greatly affected by Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. So I decided several, a few years ago, to write a book on kind of a Dale Carnegie book again. So I put in there, 25 Ways to Win People, 25 People Principles. And what's interesting, Dale Carnegie's grandson got a hold of me, came to Atlanta where I was at the time, and we had a long lunch. And he brought the book with him, and he laid it down in front of me. He said, this is the closest book to what my grandfather ever wrote. And I was greatly honored because I I first read that book when I was in the seventh grade. And I took two Dale Carnegie courses by the time I graduated from high school. So relationships are huge for me. So basically, this is it in a nutshell. Every person listening right now, I am, you are, Travis, every person listening, They are either a plus or a minus in relationships. They are either giving or they're subtracting. They just are. They're either adding value every day or they're taking value every day. You know, they're either the elevator that's going up and lifting people higher or they're the elevator that's going down. They're taking people down to the basement. Now, this is huge because it starts right there. I mean, I have to ask myself, would people put a plus on me or would they put a minus on me? And we have to have a kind of a realistic assessment of ourselves because I think that the people that are minuses that basically kind of subtract value from people or suck air out of them maybe, I think most of those people don't realize it. I do. I, I don't think people get up I just like to make everybody miserable today. And yet they get up and, and they make everybody miserable and it's because they're not aware. So I have a beautiful teaching. Can I have three minutes on this? And let me just kind of uh, draw this out. Is that okay, Travis, if I have a couple more minutes here? Yes, sir. Okay,
0: here we go, yes, sir. That's perfect.
1: So every day I do five things. And if your listeners will just do these five simple things, their life will relationally change immediately. Not in a month, not in six months, not next year. in just in a week, everything begins to change. I do five things every day. Number one is every day I value people. It starts there. That is totally foundational. I value people. I value you travel. I value every one of the listeners. I don't know them, but if I saw them, I would value them because I value people. I value everyone. I value people that like me. I value people that don't like me. I feel I value people that are like me, and I value people that are not like me. I value people. They are God's creation. I value everyone. In fact, because I'm a person of faith, if you went through the Gospels, and if you said you could only pull one thing out about the life of Jesus, just you can only pull one thing out that would describe his life, you would pretty much come up the end of those Gospels and say, Jesus valued people. Just valued him, all of them. In fact, what made the religious community a little bit upset is he seemed to value people they didn't like, you know, sinners a lot more than they thought he should. But he valued everybody. So, And the reason that's essential is if I truly value you, Travis, if I do, then I will look for ways to add value to you. That's just natural. If I don't value you, I won't look for ways or do things that add value to you. It's that simple. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to help people remove the minus and put the plus on their life. So every day I value people. It starts there. That's foundation. Secondly, every day I think of ways to add value to people. I know I was coming on our, on your broadcast today. And, and so on your show. And So I looked over some of the thoughts and things that you had for me and I prepared because I want to, I thought ahead, how can I add value to Travis? How can I add value to his listeners? So number three, every day I Look for ways to add value to people. That now I'm with them. I think before I am with you, but now I'm with you, and I'm, I've got my antenna. I'm just listening and watching and observing, and I'm looking for ways that I what can I do to add value to traps. So and what we look for is what we see. So I will see ways to add value to you because I'm looking for ways to add value to you. Number four, every day I do things that add value to people. Every day I make sure that I do things. In fact, in the morning when I wake up, I look at my schedule and I say, okay, you know, who am I going to see? What am I going to do? And okay, what what can I do specifically today to, to add value to people that I come into contact with? And, and every night, the last thing I do is I go through my day again. And I ask the question, who did I add value to today? How did I do that? What did I say? What did I do? If I brought that person up to me, would they look at me and say, John, you really added value to me today? Okay. So every day, every day, I value people, think of ways to add value people, look for ways to add value people, do things that add value people. And number five, every day, I encourage others to add value to people. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now with you and with your listeners. I'm encouraging them to just take this little five-step process. I mean, this is so simple. I mean, everybody can do this. There's no one that's disqualified from this. Everyone can do this. But I encourage other people to pass it on to add value to others also. And it becomes pretty huge after a while. So Hopefully, relationally, that'll kind of help your listeners a little bit get, a, get some practical handles on becoming a plus instead of a minus in their life.
0: Love that. So much value there just in that, just in those five steps. And I love so much of your teachings, John, because of how practical you get. A lot of people stay up in the clouds and super philosophical, motivational. There's nothing wrong with that. I just really like the practicality. So really thankful for that. One quick question on this networking topic, because this is something that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. John, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why?
1: Okay. I love this question, by the way. I think it's a great question, Travis. I see why you would ask it. Here's what I believe. I believe who you know will not help you a lot if you don't know much. So when people say it's who you know, it's not what you know. I say, well, yeah, it'll get you a handshake and it'll get you a picture but it won't get you a second meeting with that person.
0: Gets you the opportunity. Yeah. So if you want,
1: if you just want to be a fan and, and show the picture, then who you know is more important. Now, it's also true that I know what you know is essential, but the way you maximize and compound what you know is by who you know. So the reason I think it's an interesting question is when I have times with people, I, I ask them two questions. What are you learning right now that I should know? And who do you know that I should know? I ask them both those questions. What are you learning right now that that I should know, and who do you know that I should know? So it's not either. I think it's a chicken and egg question, to be honest with you. But I do know this. In a kind of a media-saturated social media kind of fakey kind of culture that we live in, it's kind of all who you know and where you've been, and and that won't sustain you. It really won't. I had the opportunity. I asked the question one time to a, a principal in Orlando, Florida. Who do you know that I should know? And he said, well, I know John Wooden, and you should know him. And two weeks later, I'm on a plane with Jeff going out to see John Wooden. And in those two weeks, I read every book that he had written. And I took, I wrote questions out of those books and I had over five pages of legal page questions to ask him. And the reason I did that is is I knew I got to meet him the first time because Jeff knew him. It was who do you know? But I knew that if I wanted to have him as a mentor meet him a second time, I had to get his attention. So we're having breakfast, the three of us, and just small talk up. And finally, he said, John, he said, do you have any questions you'd like to ask me? I said, well, yes, I do, coach, if you don't mind. I reached in my briefcase, and I pulled out my legal pad, and I put it on the breakfast table. And he looked over it, and you saw that page full of questions. He said, oh, my gosh. He said, you've got a whole page of questions for me. I said, well, not really. And I turned it over, and I showed him the second page, and then I turned it over third page, the fourth page, the fifth page. I went to the sixth page about halfway down. And he looked at me, and he, he said, oh, my gosh. You came totally prepared, didn't you? I said, I did. And I don't wanna waste your time. And I'm gonna ask you questions as long as you let me ask questions. we were supposed to have like a two hour meeting there in that thing. We started about 8.30 that morning. I left at four o'clock that afternoon. And his last last words to me, John, we only got through page one. You still got four and a half pages to ask me. He said, why don't you come back and we'll continue it on. And that began a 10 year relationship with him. Now, if I would have treated him like a fan, I wouldn't have worried about what I know. I would have just been all into who he was. Let's take a picture so I can go around and show everybody I was with John Wooden. But I wanted to have a relationship. The question is, do you want to have fans or do you want to have friends?
0: Yeah, that is the perfect answer to that question. That I appreciate you taking the time to tell that story too. And John Wooden is one of the greatest of all time in in, in that realm. I'm sure that was a a fantastic meme. Well, John, we're coming up here to the end of the time together. I have a few quick questions for you. It's just a random round. Just some really quick, random questions and some quick, random responses. You ready? Rock and roll. What profession, other than your own, do you think would be fun to attempt?
1: I think I would like to be a conductor of an orchestra. (laughs) I'm not even musical, but I just think of what beautiful thing to be able to take skilled musicians and make great music with them.
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be?
1: Abraham Lincoln. I think he was the greatest leader America's ever had because he took us through such troubled times. And I'd like to talk to him about his loneliness during that difficult time and, and making those hard decisions that were not popular.
0: How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos?
1: Books. I've taken three speed reading courses. So that I can get through books quickly, twenty percent of the book gives you eighty percent of what you want. So you know I speed read till I get to what I want, and then I slow down and, and mark and do what I need to. So books are, are still I do podcasts, but books the main thing still.
0: So. Give us a quick glimpse of your morning routine.
1: Very simple. I'm up at five thirty in the morning, and, and when I'm home and not traveling, speaking from five thirty to noon, I write. That's my morning. I don't I don't meet with people, have breakfast or anything else. I just write.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song?
1: I love to play golf, but that's, you know, that's, you know, I don't get to play a lot of it, but I, lo- I love, love to uh, play golf. But on my iPhone, I have uh, quotes that I read that just pump me up, or I have uh, songs that I listen to. I I have what I call nourishment centers on my phone that I can just real quickly punch and, and, and I'm in it real quick so I can get
0: a quick fix. Love that. What is something that you are just not very good at? <laughs>
1: I'm terrible with, with my hands. I can't fix anything. I, I, if you gave me a tool belt, I'd sell it or I'd give it, away. <laughs> or better yet, I'd add you and ask you to do your work for it. I'm very worthless.
0: workless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. So you got everything wrapped up here, John. First of all, thank you so much for joining me. What is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most?
1: Probably just go to johncmaxwell.com and, and uh, you know, You know, I have a coaching company and they, if you just go online, they'll lead you to everywhere you want to go.
0: Perfect. So head over to johncmaxwell.com for anything on John. Highly, highly encourage you to pick up a copy of his book, Leadership, that you can find anywhere books are sold. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a fantastic time talking with you for a little bit.
1: I did too, Travis. Enjoyed it immensely. Take care my friend. Have a good one.